Well, you guys, um, let me tell you just a little bit of background of uh, why I'm doing this, because uh, I have a whole lot of experience in it now. And I started a blended family couples retreat here four years ago. So the end of March um, in 2020, we'll have another one again. And it's just for couples, married couples who, who are in the midst of a blended family and navigating that and understanding. Uh, and the, the people that I bring in to teach it, that's all they do. They teach on blended family all over the country. They're just, that's their expertise. That's their passion and their mission is just to help equip, you know, folks like ourselves. So the reason this came about and why I wanted to do this uh, session was uh, I didn't show, didn't ask for a show of hands today, but often I do. A lot of it came out of folks coming to us and say, can you do something for blended families? So I never, um, really know how many people are going to show up for this. You know, sometimes there's five, six, eight couples. Other times there's, um, two weeks ago I think I had two couples or something like that. All of our stories are different. There'll be similarities, but they're all different. So, um, and that's why I started this, because there were so many, either through death of a spouse and remarriage or divorce and remarriage, we've got so many families that attend family camp that are in blended families. So. So here's my backstory, and then I, this is going to be interactive. So I want to hear from you. I'm going to ask your stories as well. Um, do any of you know my backstory at all, or you do? I do because I know Leslie. Oh. I was a camp counselor 20 years ago. Oh, my gosh. So what was your camp name? Crash. Crash. All right. So here, here's my backstory. Uh, I was very happily married to a woman for 25 years. We had three incredible kids. And um, my wife fought breast cancer for three and a half years. And August 16th this year, next, next month, will be 15 years since she passed. Because of my background of leading worship and teaching seminars for family camps, I was already contracted a year after Terry passed away to be here the following year. We get up here, and I had talked to my family and said, listen, losing, losing mom has taken the wind out of my sails. I don't need the money. I'm not going to come up there. I'm not an itinerant type of guy that does this for a living. So therefore, it's always been family vacation for us. So let's get all of our family, extended family, that want to come for kind of dad's last hurrah with the family at Mount Hermon. Then when you guys get married, have kids of your own, it'd be a different story. I'll come back as grandpa. And uh, we can do a whole new season of that. And so my daughter comes to me and says, Dad, as hard as it is, there's a woman I want you to meet at Mount Hermon. And so this is the Sunday of when we drop anchor here, and I'll be on the platform the next morning. Um, and I said, honey, and she was 22, 23 at the time. She had worked five summers up here as a day camp counselor with the nickname Smalls. And I said, hey, I'm just not interested. God hasn't stirred my heart in that direction. She grabbed me and said, her name is Leslie Cooper. I want you to meet her, date her, and marry her dad. So as a pastor, someone who'd done enough grief counseling, I was so caught off guard. I had to act, because you'd never hear that out, out of a daughter, for one thing. And uh, so I said, what's the deal? She said, well, she's been a huge mentor in my life, just like mom has, and I worked for her for five summers. And... Um, and then 
basically she said she's been raising her kids as a single mom for many years at Mount Hermon, went through a tragic divorce. Actually, Mount Hermon came to a rescue and locks changed on doors and everything else. So she's been raising her children. So my, my next question was obvious, how many children, honey? And Sarah wouldn't say the word, she just went. Five kids, okay, your youngest brother is 19, starting his second year in college. How old is her youngest? And she said, 11. Is dad in the picture? No, not really. So the logical conclusion, honey, is that you want me to marry a woman I've never met and then raise a family again? No, God does, dad. So uh, my youngest son caught me way off guard, and I had no, I, no clue that he knew Leslie and her kids and loved them. So he lied through his teeth, and I, I what, let me back up. So I, when I, when I would come to lead worship, I would drag my dead butt out of bed. I'd go right over the espresso bar, not brush my teeth, not comb my hair, nothing. Get my double cappuccino, go back to the room. So I met this vivacious gal at the espresso bar with her 15-year-old daughter, thinking that she's one of the conferees because everybody knows my face up there for so many years. Wrong. And so my daughter Sarah calls me later and says, you met Leslie this morning? I said, no, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Espresso bar, 15-year-old daughter. I went, oh, great, great first impression, you know, that type of thing. So ultimately, my son lied through his teeth and set the two of us up over Labor Day. Uh, God stirred my heart. We started a long-distance re relationship, and uh, I would come up and had a home away from a home in a friend's trailer up here, and we dated for a year and got married. And it's it's been incredible, and ours story is very different than most other people's. It's part of the hard part of me being involved in teaching something like this, because ours is an unusual thing. Her biologicals and my bios are best friends. So the, the struggles that her kids saw because of the divorce, because of things that her, their dad had done, they saw the exact opposite with me because they had a comfort level knowing that I was a good dad because of my tight relationship with my kids, with my biological kids. Therefore, there was, a, there was a reason for them to trust, where in so many families, that's, that's an unusual thing. It's somebody else coming into our life that you know we didn't invite him or her, those, that sort of thing. So, um, so mine was death of a spouse and remarriage and walked in, you know, blindsided to that. And there were days I'd wake up, look in the mirror, and go, what were you thinking? You know, those sorts of things. So with that backstory, my story is very different than a lot of other folks. Talk to me. How long have you guys been married? Um, divorce, remarriage, death of a spouse, what? OK. And. Oh, really? The oldest two. We have to have three teenage daughters that are here with us. Okay. Okay. 
right, so we're going to address that issue a little bit later. How about you guys? How's the relationship with your son? Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, good. So we got married when his son was 12. She was never married. Never married before. Okay. All right. And where are you guys stationed out of? Yeah, sure. No, no, I know it well. Yeah. You'll get to hear. Are you here on a military campership? All right, I'm the guy. That's the I'm the guy that runs that whole program. So, so. All right. Well, cool. Well, um, each each of you have, um, and me as well, have different challenges that include unhealthy comparisons. Um, my first wife did it this way, handled discipline differently than I did. Um, that was a challenge for me. Um, if you had a great marriage as I did, and you know, the, the, my spouse was to death, the question is that, and it's not healthy, is do I make comparisons between my new wife and my old? And I, have to be, I had to be so conscious of that, realizing that each of you, as long as you've been married, recognize the fact that uh, this person is uniquely gifted, equipped by God that's different than your, your ex-spouse, whether how healthy that was at times or not healthy. And so I had to take that into account that Leslie has similarities to my, wife, my late wife, Terry, but she's a unique and set apart and has different spiritual gift sets and things like that. So I had to, I had to be very cautious not to make unhealthy comparisons. Um, It never, and none of that ever came to the plate. And for my, for my sake, it was healthy from the standpoint of Leslie never met Terry in all the years that we came here, but she met my late wife through my kids. So she, had, she knew the background of what it was and the healthy relationship that my, my kids had had with their mom. So that's, you know. But, I, but the biggest thing I had to do, I had to learn was, as a new husband in this whole relationship, Lord, let me love my new wife unconditionally and without comparisons 
to what took place before. It's not that I lose those memories, how healthy or unhealthy those memories are. It's just I don't want to make comparisons because you've allowed me, in my case, God allowed me to love a woman like she hadn't been loved before. Um, and he allowed me to love her children like they hadn't been loved before in the midst of, of the issues with their fathers. So for me, it was a different story. Um, you know, two of the five, even, even though all of them recognize me as their dad, two of the five actually call me dad. They don't call me Dave. Um, one of the five doesn't even call his biological dad dad. He calls him by his first name. That's how hard some of the, the background was. So it gave me, Lord, and I wasn't really well equipped to do it, but the Lord gave me the opportunity to love again in a whole new different way that I could impact this gener her generation, her bios for the Lord and help model for them. This is an important thing for all of you, is to model for your kids what a marriage should look like. And that's a big thing because whether you know about it, whether you realize it or not, you are modeling in their growing years what it looks like. And it doesn't matter how bad it was before. It matters what it looks like now because we all learn from mistakes. So you have to recognize that in what you say, what you do. Um, <clears throat> my late wife's... And here's part of where I'm going with this. My late wife's dad, uh, who I had the distinct ple pleasure of leading him to Christ some years ago, uh, and I did his memorial service a year ago, um, February. He had a plaque on his wall that I never forgot. And it was there since the first day I met Terry, and she brought me home you know, to meet her family. And it says, uh, the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. And I looked at that and thought, wow, I never thought much about that, but my dad modeled the same thing. The reason I think all our siblings have healthy relationships is there's, there's been a study done recently where, um, what was the word I'm looking for? I'll come back to it. But my dad modeled a healthy relationship with my mom. He just was so committed to her and loved her so well that it modeled for us what it was to be in a healthy relationship. And the reason I say that, even if you've been in previous relationship where it was hard, model for your kids what a healthy relationship looks like. You can take one thing out of here. That's it. Um, so because they have to learn to build trust relationships. And you know, I thought a lot about that when I remarried because in the role of a step-parent, I had a I had a couple sitting right where you guys are sitting a couple weeks ago where I asked the question. I said, you know, for me, my new role was to model and not to interfere in some of the, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but in some of the things that my wife was doing from a disciplined standpoint that I may not have agreed with only because we didn't discipline that way. And um, so I had to be very cautious as the newcomer into how can I build a trust relationship with her kids that leads to a respect that opens up the opportunity for really for me to, to help be a disciplinarian 
and out of love for me, they respond to that instead of just, oh, this new guy shows up and tells me what to do or not to do. And I had the couple sitting here, and he just kind of looked at me starry-eyed, and his wife said, that's our problem right now. And he says, I do. I have, I have issues with the way that she parents, and so I parent in an opposite direction. And I said, how's that going for you? And he says, my stepkids, I just don't really have a bonding of a relationship. I said, these are some of the issues that all step families have when that, those issues come up. And that's why you've got to be so cautious and recognize those things and even get some outside counseling from someone that can talk to you objectively about those so that you have a healthy relationship for years to come as opposed to potentially getting fed up and going through another divorce, even though you're believers and don't want to do that. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge issue from that standpoint. So I got to the point, and again, I said I had the advantage where they could easily build a trust relationship with me based on the fact that they saw me in, with my own children and they, and they loved my kids. So it gave them some level of trust. Um, and it's now come, you know, we've been married 13 years, July 1st, just the other day, that my kids step, it's really interesting, even if they don't call me dad and call me Dave, they never introduce me as their stepfather because over time that relation has become so secure, uh, they always introduce me in public as their dad. I got to tell you, it feels really good. And they love hanging out with us. And again, your stories are different, but I'm telling you this because it's a goal that I think all of us should have. And it's not that you're interfering with their other biological, because that's an issue we'll talk about in just a minute, but it, it's still an issue to have that type of a close family unit. You guys are welcome to jump in at any time as I go through this. I'm trying to compact a lot of stuff into an hour time, but um, I've come to the place where, and I'm not called to, I, I don't believe so, at least from my wife's perspective, but to love her kids unconditionally like I love my own. Um, I just really grew to love them, and each of them are so unique. They're just completely different personalities. Uh, they respond differently. Um, but again, for some families, it's, it's just not the case. You've got two, two boys that, um, that you're not talking with. Um, the hard part for me was stepping into that. Sometimes you have stepkids that you don't love unconditionally when you're first getting to know them, and you may not even like their type of personality, which becomes, makes it even more difficult. And so you start interacting, and Lord, what can I do to find some commonality, some common ground with them to come alongside? For me, it was sporting events with them. Um, I'm a sports enthusiast, but not off the chart. My wife's off the chart. But all my kids were very active in sports. Their dad didn't show up for games. And in fact, the one thing I did one time was write Mike, my, my wife's uh, former husband and just said, listen, obviously you don't like me, don't want any of my instruction in anything, but here's the one thing I would say as a pastor, um, and that's why I'm stepping aside from this. I'm your, your son's stepfather, 
but I'm not his biological father. He likes me. We've built a relationship. Um, as hard as it's been, he loves you. And when he's on, on the football field, and now he's all county and recognizes one of the greatest football players they've had in a long season, he looks to the stands and you're not there. And I watch it, and I know how hard it is for him. You're missing out. If you want a long-term relationship with your son, you need to, in the short term, get vested in his growing years. And right now, he's just a stellar athlete, and you're not there for him. And Mike didn't respond back to me, but he showed up the following game. And I could tell it meant the world to Johnny. And uh, it's those types of things where even as a parental unit um, dealing with a guy that her ex, who I have no care for, no liking at all, uh, I still wanted to come alongside for the sake of my stepson. Um, so, um, this is an interesting thing, and, and some of my stuff comes out of these two books. Loving Your Step Family, and the other one is Beyond the Brady Bunch. So, uh, the funny part of this is Ray and Debbie taught my last one. They're just incredible, Beyond the Brady Bunch. This one called Loving Your Step Family is by the Partridges. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and they just live over the hill up in the Pleasanton area. Um, but there's one thing that they talk about. Um, there might be disconnects and even liking each other. The step-parent can be a threat where a child feels as though they are betraying their biological by loving their step-parent, particularly when there has been a good relationship with their bios. So if, if you've been through divorce and remarriage and your kids uh, really love uh, their mom or dad on the other side, in their own minds they can struggle with, am I... Um, in some ways abandoning my relationship with, with that spouse by loving the new spouse that's in the, the marriage as well. And those are things that I was really cautious with the kids, just saying, I'm not here to replace your dad. Uh, I'm here to get to know you guys and love you over, over time. And, and, you'll, and you know, because I, I, what I did is I went to each one of the kids and just said, look, I don't need your permission, but I'm asking your blessing to, to marry your mom because I love her. And I want to be with, with all of us as a family. And you know my background with my kids. So that's how we sort of began to navigate that whole thing. Um, but you have to be cautious of that and look for signals and come alongside your child if that's part of the issue of, of uh, that relationship of what, you know, and it gets back to bios and nuclear family, how important it is. Um, and blended family counselors all agree that the biological bond is so strong that it's not to be messed with. And it's the type of thing that I recognized right away. And, one day, uh, Lindsay, my oldest stepdaughter, who I just officiated her wedding two years ago, and they just had their first child uh, this, uh, three months ago, 
she was crying in the kitchen and fell in my arms. And uh, her grandmother was there, my mother-in-law. I said, Lindsay, what's wrong? And she just says, why can't my dad be like this? And at that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, the biological connection, even though how she was abused in that relationship, is still so strong, it's not to be messed with. And I, and I said, what's the issue behind some of this? And she said, well, they're going to be in Seattle. And she was living in Seattle at the time. She said, they're going to be in Seattle. And fortunately, he had remarried. And we love the gal that he remarried. She's just great. And we just pray that he doesn't screw it up. Um, and she said, my dad called me and invited me to meet him for lunch. And I said, you struggling with that? He said, yeah, I haven't seen him. You know, we talk once a year, but I haven't seen him in you know, quite a number of years. And I said, it's obvious through the tears that there's still a love for your dad. She says, yeah, as hard as things were, there still is. So I said, look at the God that we worship is still a God of reconciliation, of restoration, and resurrection of relationships. Someday, he's going to be the biological grandfather of your kids, Lord willing, which has come to be now in the last few months. I said, you're not an 11, 12-year-old kid under his thumb any longer. You're a grown woman who calls the shots. Pray about it. If you feel led, say yes to meet him for lunch. You've got a safety net with that he's remarried. And for any reason, if he says something that's outside your boundaries and just say, hey, dad, that's off limits. That's outside, outside my boundaries. Don't go there. Because you're a grown woman now. You call the shots. And it's been amazing to watch. You hear me getting choked up. But they've been able to rebuild a relationship would, would you say they're really close? No. Would you say that it's really amicable? Yes. And um, this is where I would go with you. I have no idea of your background, what the terms are. But man, I would pray about how can I reach out to my sons and allow God to reconcile, restore, resurrect relationships that aren't there currently. And uh, it may, again, not knowing Sometimes I'll have folks that have written letters to their kids who've expressed, if, if they're at fault, they'll express, I'm begging your forgiveness. I've screwed up over time, but you need to understand I love you. Um, and they, they get on a path to rebuild relationships. So um, making your family, making your, let me hear an amen, but making your blended family work is hard and it's frustrating and can bring great joy and can bring great grief. And uh, gosh, we've experienced both. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's even hard in the relationships, the new relationships, because it causes struggles in the midst of that as well. And that's where we just really have to be folks folks who talk it out um, and be great listeners. Yeah, please.
Yeah, and we've told our kids early on that, look, at, there's no fighting fighting here. There's no name-calling. There's no parental bashing on one side or the other. And you, one, one would inadvertently say, well, why not? And I said, because this is, we would tell them, this is your safety zone. This is your home. This is where it's safe. This is where you know that you are loved and where you are fed, and this is the place where we want you to join us for all meals, put the phones away or games that you're playing or whatever, and we talk about things. Uh, and Leslie and I have been very careful. It was tough for Leslie the first couple of years, but we've been very careful uh, for her particularly not to bash her ex and just say, look at your dad, Obviously, you know, did some things, but you know what? He still loves you guys. And in the case of, of their dad, I've had to ask a couple of the kids, um, are you willing to step out and rebuild a relationship with somebody that you told me you think has got some mental, mental dysfunctions, personality-wise? Because if he's got something that's, that's uh, unique to him for, well, you know, if somebody's a narcissistic type of personality or something, and they're diagnosed for that, it's a disorder that can't be cured. It's part of the fabric of who they are. Can you love your father in spite of that, knowing that that's part of his personality that's probably going to carry, carry him to the grave? Uh, or are you always going to try and hold him accountable for each and everything? Or as you grow older, you just say, Dad, that's really kind of out of place. So we, that's how we would approach it and just say, kids, be willing to rebuild a relationship with your dad as hard as it is because uh, we're not going to badmouth and we just know it was tough for you. Um, We had an interesting thing happen the last couple of years is that Leslie and I have become foster parents. And my wife is a guidance counselor for the local high school here, so she gets and spots issues that come up with kids. And very long story short, we got two teenagers that are sisters, um, really abandoned by their dad, 
Um, and Leslie picked up on it very quick, and CPS, Child you know, Protective Services, got involved in everything else. So we made a deal with their dad that the, the girls could come stay with us Monday after school uh, through Friday after school, and then he would just take them for the weekends. Weekend came, and he just said, nah, no more, I went out. Neither of them had seen their mom since uh, the girls were uh, 15 and 17. And neither of them had seen their biological mom since they were two and three and a half. That's the, the difference. So neither of them knew their mom, really didn't know the sound of their voice, had an old picture of her, and knew what sh she looked like that many years ago. So the interesting thing happened is that um, the older daughter, the younger daughter got into some trouble. Father found out and just said, you're, you know, stealing from the people that are sheltering you and tried to take her back and she ran. Social services got involved and tr somehow tracked down her biological mom. And um, the older daughter said, I got a call from my, my biological mother today. She says, I didn't know who I was talking to. You know, I was three and a half when she left. I don't remember anything. So she said, well, you can come live with me. And basically she said, for her, the biological bond wasn't there, and which was interesting. And she said, I don't know who you are. And, you know, that's where have you been all my life? And because the parents had divorced many years. The younger one who had been getting into trouble, the good news of this is she, she said yes to her biological mother. And her mother, mother said, by the way, you have four siblings because I've remarried and I have four other kids. Well, for her, it was a huge turnaround for her. The biological part was so deep that she would live with her biological mother, who she didn't know, couldn't remember, um, had to go recognize or face to face for the very first time. And she's living in a healthy home. And her grades have turned around, and she's just turned it around. But part of that goes back to the implications of biological. For one, it didn't work, but for the other, it did. So for her older one, she's just finished her first year at Davis, and she's just doing great. You know, just, but it, again, making your blended family work, it's, it's hard work. So and there's just all these issues that go into it. Um, <laughs> I was telling this story, and this guy looked at me a couple weeks ago. And he said, oh, gosh, that's my story. And when Johnny, my youngest stepson, was 16, I had this beautiful Honda Accord with low miles on it. Don't get ahead of me. And uh, we, he got his driver's license, and he's a junior in high school, so we let him start driving to school, where my wife works. She's the guidance counselor there at San Lorenzo Valley High School. And all of a sudden, I get a call from my wife. You better get over here. Johnny's been in a bad accident. I thought, oh, no. Is he OK? Yeah, he's OK. So I race over there. And Johnny had tried to make an illegal left-hand turn in front of a dual wheelie pickup, and he lost, lost the battle. And my Honda Accord was completely totaled. And it's right as school starting, so everybody is out front watching this thing. So here's Johnny, who's 
star football player, and all these kids, hundreds of them are out there watching this whole scene, the police and uh, CHP show up. And he's looking at me, and I could tell he is scared to death of what I'm about to do or say. And was I ticked? Yeah, you made a stupid turn. I didn't say any of that. So I just said, come here. And I said, you OK? So I gave him a big hug, and he just fell apart crying. And I said, that's a car. I don't care if it can be fixed. You know, you're, you're my son, and I, I don't want you getting seriously hurt where you can't be fixed. It made a huge impact in him, huge impact in him to say that, OK, my stepdad really does care about me, does love me. And um, so it's those kind of things that you can look for to come alongside, hopefully not that kind of an issue, but come alongside your stepkids as well. Um, All right, here's where I want to go with this, and this is where I really want to be interactive. Difference, uh, there are so many issues to work through, and compromise, the word compromise becomes one of the keys to success in remarriages and blended families. Difference in discipline star, um, styles, including <laughs> cleanliness and cleaning up, Leslie didn't care much about the kitchen. She really cared about the sanctity of our bedroom. It was always just flawless. Um, my daughter, my biological daughter, Sarah, is the biggest slob I've ever seen. And so we made a deal with her. Honey, um, we're tired of dealing with this, but your room is upstairs. This is with my late wife and I. So whatever you want to do with your room, fine. You walk into the kitchen, you clean up after yourself because we have so many people coming through our house. It's kind of the revolving door for humanity. Well, the same with our home here, Leslie and I. We never know who's going to show up. And, uh, and I mean that sincerely. We've got extra rooms in the house so people come to stay often or that sort of thing. So in her case, Johnny, the one I just told you about, was a slob. Dishes piled up everywhere. And Leslie's off running to work, and I'm just looking at all this mess going, and this is me. So I had to do two things. I had to pray about, Lord, don't let me be just a mean and grumpy old guy about this type of thing. So oftentimes, washing dishes became my prayer time. But the other thing was, is one day I kept praying, Lord, how can I influence this kid to clean up after himself? Because this is just a living tornado, and we have people in the house all the time. So I, I warned Leslie. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. And she just looked at me, rolled her eyes, and said, OK. The next time there was pots and pans, because he loves to cook, and there was just crap everywhere. I took it all, every stinking bit of it, and I laid it all on his bed. And I closed the door. And Johnny came home and said, what's all this? I said, what's all that? Well, that's all the stuff that you left out here for us to clean, and we're not going to do it anymore. And I said, here's the deal. You know how much I care about this because your friends and so many other people come through our house. But you're always leaving the mess for either me or mom to clean up. And that's, we just really feel that it's unfair and that you really don't care enough about what we care about to just to follow through and clean up. So 
when you leave messes, they'll be on your bed, and then you can just clean them up when you want. We've got plenty of pots and pans. We'll find other things to deal. He's the cleanest of all my kids now. I mean, everything is always put away in its proper place and everything else. So, so there's funny ways to come alongside and be humorous, but they get the point. All right, so compromise. Um, uh, differences in, in parenting styles, those are things to really talk about because you don't want to build resentment between the two of you guys when you're doing these sorts of things. Holidays, it's become a big issue for us. Compromise in holidays. I'm, put, I'm boring the heck out of that poor kid. Holidays have become a big issue for us as the kids have grown older and their biological father has remarried. So Leslie and I have come to grips with that's okay. We want them to rebuild a relationship. We want them to be intact with, with their biological father. And um, handling finances, all those sorts of things. Uh, Leslie, it was really hard for her, and we had to talk through those issues. She had a, an ex that she didn't trust at all when it came to financial situations. So it was her account, my account. Me, I never even considered that. You know, it was like, no, it's our money. I, in fact, I have a stash at the house of cash because I still play a lot of professional uh, music gigs. And uh, I don't do it for a living. I do it for fun money. It's our vacation money or whatever we need. And, and I said, honey, if you need money, just take it out of the cash, cash box. She says, no, that's your money. No. You're still carrying the baggage from your previous relationship. That's our money, honey. We've been married 13 years. Get over it already. You know, it's those sorts of things. Uh, we can compromise with separate checking accounts back then. Now they've come together, but understand also that's our money. It's not my money. Uh, and that helps in the security part of the relationship. Um, Helping put her kids through school, paying for weddings, et cetera. Does it get expensive? Yes, but you compromise when you come together as a married couple to go, I'm taking all that on. I realize that. Um, custody visitations. Oh, my gosh, we've got some friends of ours that are just really going through it, and it's nasty, and it reminds us of her ex, of all those types of issues. And all we can do is compromise and just say, hey, as hard as it can be, even if you don't want to go with them, still try and build the relationship. We're all for it. Uh, as long as there's not stuff that's undermining what you guys are doing. Um, being cordial to ex-spouses, if possible. And one of the key things that counselors will say is practicing amnesia. It's the idea that... Um, I am going to practice forgetting about all the negative stuff that person has done over the years that affected our family and ultimately led to a divorce. And if you're that person, it's also coming to a point where, Lord, forgive me for what I've done and allow me to rebuild. Uh, and not just holding on to that nagging thing that I caused this to happen. There's a saying that we use in counseling that forgiveness is setting a captive free from bondage and then recognizing that you're the captive. And you, it may not, if you're not careful, it'll just eat you up. 
so those are some of the tools that we work with. Um, recognizing the step parenting hurdles and I would sit down with my wife and just go, I need to compromise with you on this issue. Help me walk through it on how you deal with your kids for these types of situations. Let me learn from you uh, as opposed to me just having my way. Please. <laughs> and, and then he was like, see, I'm retiring, you know, I'm family communicate, so it was okay. You know, but it was like the best piece best of advice. Best piece of advice, sure. Because yeah. it was right early on before I had done more damage. Yeah. You know, by reinforcing you know, my, my personal dreams. Yeah. 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 Good. Anybody else? You've been, you don't have to be vindictive about it. Like, so you know, this is The question becomes is, uh, do I say something and, and I'll sit down, if it comes up, and we'll sit down and go, well, let's just chat about it, but understand something. That's what happened in our relationship. That doesn't mean that's happening with her in a new relationship or things like that. Honestly, son or daughter, we learn from our mistakes as hard as they are. And that way you're not bad-mouthing the other person. Yes, things transpired that just weren't healthy for our family. That's all there is to it. And I'm, you know, hopefully, I, I hope your mom's learned from the experience as she traverses the next one. And because that's honestly what we're doing with, with Leslie's ex. Um, and we're so cautious with that. So as much as you want to say and spit out venom, I would be really, really cautious about that, unless you can use it as a helpful teaching tool, particularly because some kids, as they've gotten older, well, real transparent. My youngest son, Johnny, is going through a divorce right now, blindsided us. We absolutely love his wife. Floored us three months ago, floored her parents, who we're good friends with, and we still don't know the reasons why, whether there's you know, another guy involved or whatever it is. And Johnny's just besides himself. And the whole issue came up of, am I my dad? Am I doing to her what my dad did to you, Mom? And then you can take it from the standpoint of, hey, it's a, this could be a teachable moment. This can be a learning experience. And take it from that aspect instead of just 
you know, hammering away at, at an X. Yes, that was wrong. Right. Those messages you were hearing were not correct. But if it's just about me and her, my son doesn't really need to hear that. Yeah. Right. Yep. And those are things that you just have to agree upon as couples. Uh, because honestly, it, it, without compromise in these types of relationships, there's just going to be frustration, uh, resentment, bitterness that builds up, even rejection. And and for the kids, it can be insecurity and fear. And again, one of my goals has been, what can I do as a stepfather to launch these kids so that when they do walk into relationships, they're healthy relationships? And you know, all of our kids are married now except for one um, on both sides. So um, little things become big things. Um, you, you have... Let's see, who has, uh, who has kids, maybe hers and our, you know, ours types of things, where or you've got them under one roof? Any of you? No, it, it doesn't matter. Both. All right. So one of the issues I had to learn really quickly is, um, and Leslie helped me with this as well, if you're not careful, like my youngest son, Josh, is really handy, and I taught him a whole lot. We built out a whole basement together in, in Colorado. He loves going to Home Depot with me. So if I, and he lived with us the first couple years that we were married. To take him to Home Depot and not invite one of her kids to come created tension because, first off, Josh is going, well, Dad, can't we just spend some time alone? Or Leslie, why won't you take my kids with you to Home Depot? They need to learn all this stuff too. You know, those types of things that you've got to be aware of and take into account so that you don't build up resentment on either side. And it, sometimes it's, it's tough ground to walk and just to navigate um, because it can create resentment on both parts. Um, I want to drag this to a close because I want to hear a little bit more from you guys. Two things. Ephesians 4.29, I really try to live by. And um, it says, do not let any, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's helped me not to badmouth their dad. There's been times I wanted to kill him, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but it's helped me from that standpoint. Um, practice amnesia, which we talked about. And then there's, um, there's one other thing, and then I'll just read you a couple little things and we'll talk. Um, in the marriage relationship, so oftentimes, um, Ephesians 5 will be quoted about submission. And so many guys I've had in my office for counseling didn't get it. They just didn't understand what submission was truly about because they always leave the first sentence out right above it, you know, it's the whole thing of wives submitting to your husbands. No, well, the scripture, when you take it progressively, says submit to one another in, in love. And I'm a Jewish believer. So from my perspective of growing up in Judaism, 
there's, there's something that I knew inherently and in that um, you've all heard of Egyptian hieroglyphics. Well, a lot of people don't understand there's Hebrew hieroglyphics, better known as mosaic hieroglyphics. And so for Old Testament words, there will be an actual drawing. And for the term when God gave woman, made woman out of man, when God gave woman to man to be Adam, uh, Eve to Adam to be a helpmate or a helpmeet, uh, what was it? What was it for? And the word picture is so interesting and off the wall, but it's so God, and it's the idea of submitting to one another in love. And the word picture for a woman is a big eye with a hatchet or an axe next to it. And the eye is the idea that our wives, men can see through the window into our souls and oftentimes know us better than we know ourselves and they'll see when things just go right above our heads because God's crafted them to be like that. Uh, they're unique in that ability and the axe is a, actually a weapon of warfare, of protection. And when I was in full-time pastoral ministry, my late wife Terry used to do this all the time to me and this is where, before I really understood the word picture when I'd done a study on it. And she said, honey, here's something I want you to be aware of. And, and I said, well, what do you mean? Said, here's the situation in the church. They're trying to get you involved. Here's what I'm seeing. And we often call it women's intuition. I think God placed that word picture so that it's, a, it's information to husbands that go, the Holy Spirit is speaking through your wife. Wake up and listen. Don't respond right away. Just listen to what she has to say because that's about what submitting to one another and love is all about. She sees some, something. You guys are just laughing up a storm here, huh? Uh, she sees something that you don't see, and I'm giving her to you to help you navigate those types of situations because guys are just, you know, I can fix it, and, you know, this, that, and the other. And... Uh, and Leslie, uh, Terry was, had such an incredible sense of humor that in her last weeks of life, two weeks before she passed, she, she called the kids into the room and said, look, I do not want you to interfere with dad getting remarried. But here's a sheet of paper. It was a legal yellow pad. Did you ever hear the story? <laughs> here's a yellow pad. On it are all the name of the women I do not want him to date. <laughs> And, and so she said, here's the reasons why. And, but it, it's one of those types of things where, for us, we have to listen to one another and really be cautious about that. And, and it doesn't separate us. It really bonds us if we're, if we're really strong listeners. And it, um, the guy a couple of weeks ago just said, man, this has really struck me because I'm not a good listener. I'm so used to being an authority and so I just try to make everything. And as, like I asked him again, well, how's it going for you still? He says, not very well. So um, I'll close with this. This is out of loving your step family. We think every bio parent should say the following to the step parent. I will accept full responsibility for my own children. Leslie did that to me. She said, you know, you're stepping into this relationship. You don't know the kids' personalities. I do. I accept full responsibility for them. I will welcome you as a parent to my children, 
but I will be mindful that you are doing so willingly without an obligation. I don't know about the obligation part. Once I signed up for it, I signed up for it, and I'm going to be there no matter what. So I'm obligated to that unless I just decide to bail on the relationship. Uh, Every bio parent should say the following to a step parent, for my children's sake and for my, our family's sake, I will do my utmost to build a peaceful relationship with my children's other parent or partner. I will teach my children to be courteous and respectful toward you. To make things easier for you, I will teach my children to have good personal habits. <laughs> I did that. Uh, I will also teach my children to clean up after themselves. As you do things for my children, I will regularly communicate my appreciation to you. Leslie's been wonderful at doing that, and, and vice versa for me, because my kids just absolutely adore. Uh, you have the freedom to develop your own level of feelings toward my children. The following should be said to every parent by the step-parent. Um, I will always act in a caring and kind manner towards your children. I will join with you in building a peaceful and good relationship with your former spouse and his or her partner. I will encourage you and give you my full support when you wish to be with your children, either with me or without me. So what Leslie and I have become so good at, she actually taught me, is what are your expectations for this vacation as a family? What does that look like for you, honey? And I will ask vice versa. Or sometimes, even if we're going, we just got back from three days away, I'll ask Leslie, what are your expectations for this? I want to walk the beach, you know, read. You know. So we use that terminology a lot. Uh, I want to know what you think will be best for our time away as a family, or what a vacation looks like, or where to go, anything, those sorts of things. Um, comments. We're at 12.15, and... Again, I'm just throwing in a flood of stuff, but if you're looking for a restroom, it's right down the hall. Oh. Helpful at all? So any questions, any comments? Again, it's just fire hose today, but. Well, tomorrow will be the same thing for any other couples that want to come. We give them the advantage of, hey, if I want to go to the one on anxiety today, I can come to Burns' tomorrow, all that type of thing. Yeah. 